hope you came here to worship this morning, uh, to uh, worship our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, this morning, we're going to put Genesis on hiatus for a little while and start a new series through the book of Second Peter. And Second Peter is all about distinguishing truth from error and false teachers from true and real Christians from pretenders. And so I think uh, by way of preparation for this sermon, I actually got on the internet, did a little research uh, on counterfeiting and found out that last year alone, the United States Customs Service seized $300 million worth of counterfeit goods coming into the United States. Um, and that's just the amount of, from the people that they caught so the actual uh, amount coming into the U.S. is probably much larger. Uh, hard numbers, of course, are hard to come by uh, when you're talking about black market or at a very minimum gray market goods. Uh, but the, the estimates are from economists that about uh, 8% of China's total GDP comes from the export of counterfeit goods. Uh, you're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of counterfeit purses and footwear and watches and so forth, right? Uh, and, and part of the appeal of this is that you get to have something that is a brand name product without having to pay the freight for Fendi or Gucci or what have you, right? And, and so there's a huge market for that all over the world. And believe it or not, there are lots of people out there who are hawking counterfeit versions of Christianity as well, uh, ones that are less costly than the real thing, but which will not hold up over time any better than your $12 Rolex. And Peter's desire is that uh, those who are his readers will be able to distinguish the fake from the real thing, the pretender from the genuine article. And the, this is important because unlike, you know, buying a knockoff handbag or some imitation Nikes or something else, uh, the, the results of this have eternal consequences. Heaven and hell, life and death are literally at stake in being able to distinguish real Christianity from the imitation variety. Real, you know, real nutrients from saccharin. Uh, the real thing from something that's only an imitation and a fake. Uh, and Peter wants us to be able to hang our faith on things which are capital T truth. And he's going to give us the ability as we study through this book to be able to, to separate the fake from the real, the truth from error, uh, false from true. And so without a whole lot of uh, further introduction, I don't have a lot of time this morning, I uh, want to just dive right in to Second Peter. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus, our Lord. 
Now, when you read a New Testament letter, uh, one of the the general principles you need to keep in mind uh, as you try to interpret is that you only have half the conversation. You have the apostolic response to some things that are going on uh, in the church or churches, in this case, that the apostle is writing to. And so you can make some good inferences as to what's happening, but you have to make inferences because you only have half of the conversation. And Peter, if you read his whole letter, you will find out that he is writing to people uh, in these churches that are in what's modern-day uh, western Turkey today, the area around Ephesus and, and that part of the world. There's all these believers that are scattered throughout all of these regions around that, uh, around that area, and they're scattered because of persecution. He's already written one letter to them, First Peter. He's writing them another letter because now there are these false teachers coming in. And one of the things that the false teachers are doing is they're telling them things like, perhaps there is more, there is, uh, Christianity is a good place to start, but you can get a more elevated knowledge, implication being like mine, and you can rise up and become one of the, one of the elite along with me. And there will always be false teachers who will come along and they will say, well, Christianity is good, but, but there's more. And you can get a little, a little higher, a little better. You can do better than Jesus. And Peter is responding to that. And he starts responding in the very first couple verses. Look at, how, look at how he introduces himself. This is not just Peter, this is Simon Peter. He gives you his given name and then the name that the Lord gave to him, Peter, the rock. And he says he is a servant. The word there literally is, uh, the word literally is slave, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh you know, it's not, it's not a servant who's, some, who's someone who uh, serves voluntarily like a butler. Uh, this is the word for bondservant. Peter doesn't exalt himself. Different than these false teachers who are, who are going around telling everybody how wonderfully special they are and how exalted a personage they are and what wonderful knowledge they have. Peter says, a slave and an apostle. He serves the Lord as herald and messenger, and there's authority here. He is an apostle. He has authority to declare, as Jesus told the apostles they would, what is bound and what is loosed, what is true, what is false. But he also says, but a slave of Jesus. So there's authority and leadership and honor, but also humility. It's a great mix. And he continues by saying this, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Now, in that little phrase, there's three big things I want you to see. Uh, first, First thing, the phrase, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is not referring to two persons of the Trinity, but one. The way the 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 phrase is written is an identification of Jesus as God. One of the clearest examples of that in the New Testament. 
He's not saying, in other words, through the righteousness of our God, comma, and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's saying, through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is God. And that's very important. Because, again, these false teachers, as they come along, are saying, well, Jesus is good, Jesus is fine, Peter says Jesus is God. And so you need to listen to what he has to say. And you need to follow in the way that Jesus walked. Uh, and he says that Jesus is God, and through his righteousness we have received a faith. And that's, that brings me to number two. The second thing that I want you to notice that Christians receive, by grace, a faith. And he's not talking so much about the means by which we enter into a relationship with God, but about the content of our relationship with God. That Christianity is a belief system and a lifestyle that follows and coordinates after coming into a relationship with God. You believe in Christ by faith. Amen? And then, but you also receive a faith. Or as Jude put it, the things once for all delivered to all the saints. There's a content. There's belief and there's conduct that goes along with it. Peter's going to get into the conduct aspect of it a little bit later. But there's belief and there's conduct. And these things are, are both part of the faith that we receive. It's not simply enough to say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead. That's sufficient to gain you salvation. But there's also a content, a knowledge, as well as a behavior that goes along with that, that backs it up and certifies that it's real. He says, we have received a faith, and he says this, as precious as ours. In, in other words, as precious as the rest of the church, including who? Peter. And what he's saying with that little phrase is this, that in, in Christianity, there is no B team. There's no JV. You don't ascend to some higher plane of spirituality with the elite, as the false teachers taught. They, they, they taught, it, they mixed Greek philosophy and Christian ideas, and they used a lot of Christian lang language, but they were t what they were teaching was false. And they said, you could, uh, uh, you could rise up and you could ascend and you could become, you know, one of the, the great masters up here. Peter says, no. You receive by faith in Jesus Christ a faith of the same preciousness as his. And so it isn't, it isn't like some have taught saints, you know, the really good Christians, and then everybody else. No. He says, we all stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. We receive by God's grace the same quality of relationship with God. The same access to him through Jesus Christ. A faith as precious as ours. 
Uh, through, and, and then he says this, it goes on verse, verse 2, grace and peace be yours in, in abundance, it's in fullness, in fullest measure, in pleroma is the Greek word, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Um, now this is interesting because in this second verse, Peter is reiterating basic truth and he is refuting error. He prays that they will have the grace of God, which is given to us through Jesus' death and resurrection, and by that we have forgiveness of our sins, and we come to peace with God. We who are sinners are at war with God, but through the grace of God coming to us through the blood of Jesus, we come to peace with God. And so Peter says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Through the knowledge, and that's an important word, of God and of Jesus our Lord. These false teachers are talking about how they have special knowledge. And their special knowledge gives them a better quality of spirituality. Uh, they, the word they're using is the word gnosis or knowledge. And Peter says we have as believers epinosis, true knowledge. Fuller knowledge. They have knowledge? Great. We have better knowledge of Jesus Christ and of God. And so in these first two verses, Peter, is, Peter has drawn his sword for the sake of the gospel and of truth. And he is going after false teaching from the get-go. He hits the ground running refuting error and teaching truth from the opening verses. You probably just read that and went, oh, that's kind of cool. On, on with the rest of the letter, the meaty stuff. This is part of the meaty stuff. Uh, he is already combating these false teachers and their, their ideas about special knowledge and their role as exalted teachers of secret truth. Let's go on. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Once again, Peter is, and he's going to do this through this whole letter, he's just going to hit them and hit them and hit them and hit them and combat what is, what is in error and present what is true. They taught, the false teachers taught that you needed special knowledge that came from them. Peter says, no, you have everything that you need for life and godliness, not from some impartation from some human teacher, but by God's own divine power. He has given you everything you need for life and godliness. And knowing Jesus, he says, through the knowledge of him. As you know Jesus, you and grow in your knowledge and understanding of who he is from a relational, personal perspective, you 
begin to advance and you need to you start to grow it's god's word and his revelation of himself to you is the fully sufficient truth about everything that matters and more than that god has called him us into relationship with himself by his own glory and goodness his holiness and his love results in our salvation I love that little phrase, that by his own glory and goodness. It's about as good a balance as there is between God's holiness, his glory, and his goodness, his love. God's holiness demands a punishment for our sin, and God's goodness made it on our behalf. And through God's holy love, we come into relationship with him, and we come out of slavery to sin, and and God makes us, Peter says, his very great and precious promises. In other words, we are made participants in the new covenant. We've talked about that, how, the, how God made at the end of the Old Testament a new covenant he, that he promised, and then through Jesus it came about. There was a new covenant that was established. Those are the very great and precious promises that God would put his spirit in our hearts, that he would uh, teach us himself how to obey him, that by the spirit he would empower us to obey, and that we would be saved and transformed in this life and then eventually transformed and stand in glory before him that's pretty good promises i can get excited about that his very great and precious promises and then on top of that he says that you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires in other words God not only grants us our salvation, our initial salvation, where we are set free from sin, God also promises our sanctification, that we will gradually in this life escape the corruption that's in the world by our evil desires so that we participate in the divine nature. In other words, there will be a day when we actually take on the character of God himself. Now, that's pretty good. I don't know what else you got in your bag that compares with that, but that's pretty good. That one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm not only going to be cleansed from sin, I'm going to reflect in my own character the character of Jesus Christ himself and participate, as Peter says, in the divine nature. That God's nature and my nature are going to be, I'm going to reflect his. I don't know what these guys, these false teachers that are out there are promising you, Peter's saying, but we're going to participate in the divine nature. Got anything better than that? No, they don't. That's as good as it gets. You're not only going to stand before God, you're going to be like God and imitate him. And so he says this, he says, for this very reason... In other words, because of all this great stuff that has happened and is going to happen, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten his pure, that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This, this part of the passage presents the Christian life as being like a ladder with rungs that you ascend from. And he talks about, he says, okay, these guys have a, these false teachers, you know, they have a, a pathway. And, you know, if you get into Scientology, you know, you can, you can, do, you can do their little pathway. And each step apparently costs a lot of money. Uh, to be cleansed from all your stuff and whatever. But Peter says, you know what? We have a Christian advance too. And this is what the growth process looks like. And he's going to outline it for us. He says, make every effort. It literally reads, expend all your energy on these things. Expend all your energy to do this. He says, Add to your faith. In other words, faith is the first component of this. You can't do this on your own, in other words. You can't just decide one day when you're going to wake up, and I'm going to like to be more virtuous today. Well, guess what? You're going to fall flat on your face unless you have come into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, who by His Holy Spirit provides you the power to be transformed. And he says, add to your faith, in other words, to your trust in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins to grant you forgiveness, and who was raised from the dead to offer you new life. Add to your faith goodness. And that word goodness is the, the Greek word aratus. Now, aratus might not make any difference to you, but it's a, it's a term that's common in Greek philosophy. It's also a form of a name for a god. Not the god, but a Greek god, Ares. And in Greek culture, he was thought to be the highest and best and most virtuous of all of the gods. And so... Paul borrows that word, goodness, virtue. Add to your faith, goodness. Be a person, in other words, whose conduct is worthy of praise, who is honorable. Uh, going beyond merely what your duty requires to surpass everybody around you in goodness. Let your deeds and your life be worthy of praise. He says, add to your goodness, knowledge. False teachers, they're all about knowledge. Well, we're about knowledge too. Sometimes knowledge and study in the Christian life gets kind of a bad rap. Like, well, I don't really want to 
to know too much about God. I really don't want to learn theology because, I mean, that would really be kind of a bummer and it's kind of boring and hard and, you know, I just don't want to do that. Peter says knowledge is part of it. I mean, let me give you an example, ladies. Uh, suppose you were, um, you, you were with a young man and you began to relate together and he proposed and so forth and you went through the wedding. And on the, after the wedding... You woke up the next morning and he says to you, you know, this is about as far as I want to go in my knowledge of you. Really don't need to know anymore. I mean, you know, I knew you well enough to get married and, you know, that's kind of it for me. You know, so, I mean, cook and clean and do my laundry, but, you know, I don't really actually want to grow in my understanding of you as a person all that much. Okay? How would you feel at that point? Would you feel that you had just entered into the most blessed, wonderful, fantastic form of relationship, the one that you had always dreamed about since you were a girl? I'm going to say no, okay? But a lot of Christians kind of approach their relationship with God in precisely that way. Well, I feel like I kind of know enough about God, and I really don't want to know any more or go any, really a whole lot deeper. And I don't want to have to study because that's hard. And I don't want to have to learn theology because that's boring. And, you know, it's just my knowledge is kind of sufficient, God, don't you think? No. <laughs> okay. He wants to be known. This is why he wrote and revealed himself in a book so that he could be known by us. And rather than accept that as a privilege, a lot of times we go, oh, that's kind of interesting. We'll get that out next week. <laughs> okay. Let it there. Let it collect us there Monday through Monday through through Sunday morning, right? Um, Peter says, "Add to your goodness knowledge, relational knowledge. Move along in your relationship with God, but learn this, so that you understand the person that you're following." He says, "You want to know God, and there's a content component to knowing God." and who he is, and what he's like, okay? He says this, add to your knowledge, self-control. As we know Jesus, we want to flee from sin, and to put off the things that displease him, and that's going to require a level of self-control and discipline of yourself, to do what is right, not just simply what you want to do. But again, these are, these are parts of an ascending, growing, virtuous Christian life, that you advance into these things as you grow. Self-control. And then you, Peter says, ought to take on perseverance. Well, what's Perseverance. Perseverance is continuing to do the right thing. After you've done it a while and it gets boring and tiresome, you keep doing it. Why? Because it's right. You keep trusting, keep obeying, keep following, keep serving, keep doing. Why? Because you're persevering and doing what is good and right. And he says, on top of that, you take on godliness. 
Godliness is personal holiness. There should start to be about us a holiness of life as we trust God, as we grow in our understanding of Him, as we continue to do what is good, as we continue to flee from what is evil and to persevere in it, there ought to be about us a level of holiness. And it ought to, we ought to take it on. And holiness ought to produce then brotherly love. The Greek word is Philadelphia. You know, the city name that is called the city of brotherly shove, but this is the city, this is brotherly love that we're to take on. That we're to, in other words, as we grow, one aspect of our personal holiness ought to be that we love our brothers and sisters and care for them and are concerned about them and serve them and do what is best for them. And then he says, supremely put on love. There ought to be love not just for our brothers, but also for God. And we, when we take on the character of God and act in love for everyone. And Peter says that the kind of faith that produces these characteristics is the genuine article. That one of the ways that you know whether or not your faith is the real deal is what results from what you believe. And if what you believe produces these things, he says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you want to you wanna look at what's the fruit of a Christian's life? This is it. You want to know if you have the real deal? You know, like if you, if you buy those designer purses, you know, you can check the seams and tell right? Whether it's real or whether it's not. Uh, if, you, if you're looking at counterfeit bills, you can put one of those markers on them. And if it turns uh, brown, it's because the paper is cellulose paper, not rag paper like real money is made from. Peter says, this is how you can tell what is produced what is fruitful and effective. And this would be a fruitful and effective faith that is real if these things are present in your life. But then he says this, but if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to wrap up here. But as we close, let me underline the point of this passage for you. It is possible to have believed something which is called Christianity, but which isn't Christianity. 
which isn't Christian, which isn't a real faith. It is possible to be deceived by false teaching and therefore to live a life which is unproductive and unfruitful. It's possible to claim to be a Christian and to have your sinful lifestyle call that claim into question. And if you are living in sin, Peter says that you have forgotten your cleansing from your former sins and that you are nearsighted and blind. And he is saying, in other words, that you might not be a real Christian. You might have the faith that is the equivalent of the $12 Rolex, not the genuine article. And that is why he concludes verse 10 and 11 the way he does, because he wants to make sure that no one misses out on the grace and the mercy of God because they believed the lie and bought something fake. Our conduct as believers ought to match the profession of faith that, it, that we made. And that's why Peter says, strive to make your calling and election sure. In other words, if God really called you, if you are really one of His, then your life ought to back that up. And if it doesn't, that's a problem. Because when the Holy Spirit is really at work in a person's life, they change. And if there has been no change, it's highly possible, Peter says, that it's because there has been no change. Amen? If there's not been any change, any transformation in your life, it may be because Jesus has not come in and therefore there has been no transformation in your life. So he says, examine your life and make sure that you know the Lord. Make sure that you know the Lord because Peter's desire for you and my desire for you as your pastor because I love you. I love you. Is that when you stand before God, you receive, as Peter says, a rich welcome into kingdom, the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in other words, let me put it to you this way, okay? I do a lot of funerals. For whatever reason, I have done a lot of funerals as pastor of this church. And some of them are really joyful and just magnificent. You know, I remember Kent Sefton's funeral and what a great celebration that was. I remember Wally Cole's funeral and how I cried my eyes out for that man. But I know, I know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to see these men again. Why? Because their life lined up. It was congruent with the profession of faith that they made. And I know that when they got there, it wasn't like, huh, Peter, who's this dude? <laughs> okay. It was, welcome home, son. Glad you're here. They got a rich welcome. 
into the eternal kingdom of God's Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I would die as your pastor if I thought that there was anybody here that did not have that assurance. Because week after week, what I want to be very, very clear on is that there is only one way through which a person enters into God's eternal kingdom. You know, some of you who have been believers a long time know that I share the gospel a lot. Every week, practically, I'm telling people, you need to repent of your sin. You need to place your trust in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection, giving you new life. And some of you might wonder, why does he do that every week? Well, here's why. So that no one will miss out on the opportunity to have a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to be sure that everybody has bought the genuine article and has come into a real relationship with God where they experience growth and transformation and one day glory. And so I want to challenge you today as we close. And we're going to have up here when the praise band sings, we're going to have the elders and some of the ladies come forward. And if you would like to pray and talk with them and to make certain God's calling and choosing you, come forward and let's pray. and Let's, let's talk to the Lord and make sure that all of us for sure will receive a rich welcome into God's kingdom. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, which teaches us even in the introduction to letters, truth. Every word of your word is profitable and is inspired and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness that the, the man or the woman of God might be fully equipped for every good deed. And Father, I pray that there would be no one here coming to this church whose life is a fake, whose Christian belief is mere profession with no reality that supports it. Father, I pray that they would receive, all of them, and me too, a rich welcome into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, may we not only believe, but live out our faith through the transforming power of your Holy Spirit that we might participate together in the divine nature in the great day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.